Take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 7. May Christ be magnified in all that's done today as we seek Him, the leadership of the Holy Spirit, and for some definition as to the future of Trinity Baptist Church and its operations. Matthew chapter 7. We're not going to take time here this morning to get in full context of what Jesus is saying. Here in my Bible, I find this to be in red letters. But I do want us to read a few verses here, 24 through 27. I want to talk about it for just a moment. And I want us to draw back a little bit of the context about why Jesus was saying what he was saying. Let's read these verses and then we'll pray and dive into what the Lord has for us. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came. and The winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not for it was founded upon the rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And notice in verse 27, the same thing comes. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I ask you this morning to lead, guide, and direct our service. Father, I pray that you would be with every heart and every life that's here today. Lord, I pray that you would bind distraction. Lord, I pray that you would bind the devil himself, every demon, God, and every enemy that works against the truth. Lord, I pray for liberty in this place today, the confidence and the authority to stand upon your word. And Father, seek your face. Lord, I pray that you would hide me behind the cross God, that you would allow me to step into that realm as the under-shepherd with clean hands and a pure heart. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, you'd empty me of self. Use me for thy glory. Protect thy church. And Lord, I pray that everything that's done today would be pleasing in your ears. In Jesus' name, we all pray as a church family. Amen and amen. Uh, Jesus has just given some of the most consequential verses in the New Testament, what we read before we get the tale or the story, the picture of the two foundations, Jesus has just finished giving some of the most consequential verses in all of the New Testament. And really, they're some of the most difficult words in the New Testament. You can read those later. Uh, but Jesus is giving us a clear picture, a clear window into some truth. And as he finishes this thought, he transitions to this picture that we just read of the two houses. And there's one that's been built on rock, one that's been built on sand. And Jesus gives the test in this story to both houses. Both houses get the same storm. Both houses receive the same pressure. Both houses receive the same wind and rain. And there's two different outcomes. Jesus gives us the house that stood built on the rock and then the house that took, as the Bible says, a great fall, and it was built on the sand. It all comes down to the construction of the home. It all comes down to the foundation of the home. It comes down to the location of the construction of that home. 
And then it comes down to the leadership of the home. Who decides where we're going to build? Who decides what this house is going to represent? Who is going to make the decision to define what the house is? And only the house that was built on the foundation of obedience, that rock and what it represents, it's the obedience to God's word. That's the house that stood. The house that was built upon the rock, upon the obedience to God's word, was the house that stood. Many of you are familiar with this story. Many of you understand the implications here. This is a spiritual life. The rain and the winds are a type of the judgment of God. And the house that stands is the one that's built in obedience to his word and to God's desire. But there's also a great lesson here for us that there is consequence, there is a great heaviness and a weight that is on a, upon the folks that lead that home, that build that home, that decide where that home is built and what that home will do. It so matters where you build your home. It so matters how you build your home and what you build your home on. Part of the defining identity here at Trinity uh, would be that we would always represent the hope of Jesus. Our pastor emeritus has used this phrase, he's used these three words, hope, heritage, and home, for a very long time. It's been part of who we are. Uh, the hope that Jesus brings, embracing the heritage that God had established here, and be a place, a fortified position, a, refu a refuge, and a house of prayer as a home. For those who join our fellowship, hope, heritage, and home. And today, with the help of the Lord and through Scripture, through months and months of praying and fasting, travailing before God, begging Him for leadership and guidance, and seeking wise counsel, today the families here at Trinity Baptist Church are putting the Word of God, which is sharper than any two-edged sword, in our right hands, we're drawing some lines in the sand today, and by the help of the Lord, we're taking back the house. Amen. We're taking back the house. But for us to take back the house, we have to understand what the house is. I think uh, our history here at Trinity has been one that so greatly defines what home is and what family is, and we've said it many times. Trinity Baptist Church is not a perfect church. Have you met the pastor? Have you met the staff? Have you met some of the choir members? They're perfect now, the choir is. But there is no perfect church. We are all sinners saved by grace. We're all desperate for growing in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We need him each and every day. And our humble beginnings as a church, it goes all the way back to a man named Ralph Sexton Sr., who refused to compromise. Poppy refused to compromise. He was a man that would not budge when it came to the authority and the inspiration of Holy Scripture. He refused to budge when it came to the autonomy of the local New Testament Bible-believing church and the position and the role of the under-shepherd, the pastor, to pray for the vision of the church, the future of the church, the workings of that church. Poppy, our founding pastor, would not budge. That heart and that sentiment, that foundation of who we are, it continued on to our second pastor, our pastor emeritus. 
And if you know anything about Ralph Sexton Jr., you know the history, the heritage, and the legacy is to think outside the box. Somebody say amen. Amen. To be a visionary, to pray and ask God to give us exactly what we need in the time for which we need it and to be tender to that. That's who we have been. And there have even been times that both of our pastors who led us this far that trailblazed for us so that we could be here and and enjoy the bounty and the blessing that God's given us. One thing that they had to do was often to call God's people to action. Listen to me now. Call God's people, the church, to action to respond to things that were happening in the world around them. World War II is the greatest example of this that I can think of in modern history. I can remember even as a child, September the 11th, 2001, that was on a Tuesday. I remember coming by, coming to the old building, and it was packed full on a Tuesday. People praying and weeping and calling out to God. And that Wednesday night service, the following day, in that old building, the student center now, the upstairs portion full with over 900 people for Wednesday night prayer meeting out of desperation, a call back to what really mattered. And this has been our history. This has been our heritage. And Trinity, no doubt, is in a new season of life. God has blessed us tremendously beyond anything we could ever dream or hope for. I thank the Lord that during a pandemic, I remember the big Vision 2020 banners that hung between the cross, Vision 2020. And then I remember the feeling of March the 10th and March the 11th, 2020, and seeing our world change right before us. But even in that obedience to the Lord and following him, even when it didn't make sense during a pandemic that God would pay our church completely out of debt that we stand here today, that we worship here today on this beautiful 20-plus acre campus with not a single dollar owed to a single person on this earth. To God be the glory. And since October, we've spent many weeks in a series, 22 of them exactly, in a series called Authentic Christianity. And I felt a real burden that we would go back to the basics, the fundamentals, the foundation, if you will, of our faith. That we would demand that our faith and what we believe and what we practice and why we believe it be rooted in God's word. And for 22 weeks, we went through that. And some messages were easy. They were wonderful. They were easy to palate, I may even say. Talking about the goodness and the mercy of God. Even last Sunday, where the Lord allowed us to go. Uh, When I left here Sunday afternoon, I felt like I had dove head first into a big old pot of honey. That the Lord loved me enough to call me his bride. That the bridegroom would lavish me with that much love and grace and mercy. And be able to come to his table and have a place. I'm thankful for those moments. But it's no secret, if you're a part of this church, that God has taken us through a few weeks of real pruning and self-inspection. God has allowed us an opportunity to get some things in our hearts and lives corrected. And there have been dozens of people, dozens of conversations, dozens of families and private meetings that have revealed some very difficult times. COVID is a terrible thing in what happened in those 17 weeks in our church family. But another casualty, if you will, was some of the spiritual momentum and safeguarding that had taken place. It also was an exposure 
It showed us where we were weak. It showed some cracks in the foundation that quickly needed to be repaired. And because of some of those cracks in the foundation, because there was some sand building that had taken place, when the wind came and the rain blew, some houses blew down. And there are some folks that should be here today that normally would have been here today, but because of an unsure foundation in their home, that structure fell. And now as part of the collateral of an evil doing called coronavirus on our earth, they're no longer here. They're living in a different lifestyle, no longer part of our fellowship of faith. Young people will forever be different because of that coronavirus pandemic and what it did to the home. And so many things have taken place. There's been so many opportunities for folks to come back to what they know Grace and mercy has been abundant. And the good news is it's available for every person that's here today that we can call upon Christ and cast ourselves at him and trust him. Because as Pastor Ralph said, he is a stable God. He is an ever-present God. And we can trust him today. And I'm thankful for that. But as your pastor, I think that today's sermon, today's message is almost a sort of a spiritual state of the union a spiritual state of the church, if you will. And one thing that we'd noticed as a church staff, as pastors, as leaders, was a massive uptick in ministry contact through our counseling ministry with our family care. Many of these folks that were reaching out were reaching out in moments of sheer panic, moments of sheer desperation. Parents reaching out because of the condition of their teenager, Moms and dads in tears in many of the pastor's offices on this campus because they did not recognize the child to which they had brought faithfully to church and been faithful to bring to Awana and faithful to be here for service. And this child is no longer the child they knew. Some sad situations and the cost and the sometimes hectic nature of life that had caused so many nights of rest but many of these people that were reaching out, many of those contact points, as we begin to look at the data and who had come in and why they were there, many of them were young ladies, teenage girls, and women in our church who are married, have a husband, have children. Some of them even had lived long enough that their children had left the home. And these ladies were in most difficult situations most difficult problems. And we felt that it was very important, that it was vital to know and to understand as the under-shepherd of the church, why are these people coming for one-on-one -on -one critical care spiritual attention? What is happening inside the home of our church? What is happening when the doors are shut and we're no longer together sitting in blue chairs or sitting in a Sunday school class? What's happening? What's taking place? And we begin to ask, why are you struggling? Why are you doubting? Why are you feeling unworthy as a saved woman or as a saved young lady? Why are you looking for identity in anything other than what Jesus says about you? Why go to some uh, not head man that doesn't know anything about love when the God of the universe loves you with a love that's greater than anything you'll ever experience. Why, Christian young lady, why, Christian woman, are you going through what you're going through? And it's not as 
to look at them with condemnation, rather with pity, and to look with an investigative spiritual eye on what's happening in the home. Our counseling ministry purchased an incredible software program. It's likened to an intake form at the emergency room. It asks some questions. And out of a hundred ladies, we took a hundred ladies who had answered this form. Obviously, it's anonymous. Obviously, that's all protected. No names are given in any of this. It's just raw data. And out of 100 young ladies and women who 98% attend this body of Christ, this church, here are the questions that were asked as part of that intake. Do you believe in God? Most said yes. Do you pray to God? Most said occasionally. How much do you read the Bible? The next question asked. Most said occasionally. And then the final question I want to read to you. Do you have family devotions and prayer? Do you have family devotions and prayer? All 100 ladies, all 100 young women answered no. Not one single answer in the affirmative. Not one out of 100 said that I have family devotions and prayer at home. Homes, families, people, children, the future of our church telling us, reporting to the spiritual overseers of the church that there is no prayer and no devotion in the home. And when there is no prayer and no devotion in the home, there is no stability. The foundation is being built upon sand. And Trinity today with the love and the humility, but with the confidence and the authority that God has given me and put in my heart, this is a trend that must change. Let me say that again. This is a trend. This is an issue that must change for the future of our church and the spiritual benefit of our families. We must change. We must understand that strong churches, the entity, Trinity Baptist Church being strong financially or even in number does not equate a strong family. Rather, when the families who attend Trinity Baptist Church who make up this body of faith are strong, then we will have a strong church. You see, church is not just a place. Church is not just a location. Church is the person that you look at in the mirror each and every day as a child of God. The word indicates that it's a group of people that have been called out. We are the called out ones, the ones, the ones of the way. We are the church. The church is not a place. And today we are collectively, personally drawing a line in the sand. And God is calling us. God is bringing us to the place where every man and every woman and every young person under the sound of my voice takes upon their shoulders, listen to the words coming out of my mouth, radical ownership of my spiritual condition.
radical ownership of my spiritual condition. You see, if we mix up what God's word teaches and somehow we get things out of line and out of perspective and we put what the church is as the building and the place and then we refuse to be the church that we're supposed to actually be, which is a daily activity, a daily lifestyle, then what we're coming to do on Sunday and on Wednesday and on any day that we come here, we're not coming then in the overflow of what God's done in our life. We're coming to check a box. We're coming for someone to stand in the pulpit and tell me how to fix it so I can go repeat the process of what I've been doing. But when we draw that line in the sand and we take on that radical ownership of our spiritual condition at home, then when folks come in to assemble together to worship the Lord, then those people, those families come into the house of prayer, come into God's house, and they're able to worship from the overflow of what it's been all week long at home. And I think that even in American Christianity, we've allowed ourselves to believe that the church, the physical location, the groups of people that are in leadership, that teach and preach the full counsel of God here at Trinity, that somehow that those people and the time that we spend together during the week, whether that be one hour or four hours, that that is the main focus, that that is the main source of spiritual growth. Ladies and gentlemen, according to God's word, it is not. The main focus, the main source of spiritual growth is in what you do daily in the privacy of your own heart, in the privacy of your own prayer life, in the privacy of your own devotion, and even in a family sense, corporately in your home. It's so easy to get a schedule. It's so easy to get a routine. And if we're not careful, we'll be blinded by all the blessing, by all the goodness that God's given us, but lack and miss what really is available for us. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time explaining the battle that we're facing as a people. There is a war raging for the next generation. There is a war raging for every marriage in this church. If the devil could, he would destroy every single marriage in this church. Brother Buddy, with all love and respect, the devil would love to use you as a trophy to break your marriage after 58 years. You say, that's impossible. The devil would love nothing more than to destroy every marriage in this house, in this home, in this church. The devil would love nothing more than to confuse to destroy, to scar, to wound, and to maim every single young person under the sound of my voice. That they would be cut off from truth, rebellious towards any light. That there'd be no hope of them ever being tender to the call and the drawing of the Holy Spirit of God. That would be his plan. But church, we're at a crossroads. We're at a place where we're going to have to let go of what we know to be comfort. And beg God following him for a radical change in every home in this congregation. It's not easy. It may not be fun. It may not even be what we want. 
But we have to do what's necessary to protect the church family, this body of Christ for the future of what God wants to do. We're not here today assembled together looking at the culture, looking at the deterioration of the American family. We're not here today looking out without hope. We're not looking at even the spiritual condition of some of the families in our church and saying, well, it's too late, it's too far gone. No, we're looking today at this situation as bad as it is outside, as wicked and evil as culture is. We're assessing it, we're taking it in, but as Christians, we're looking at it with hope in our hearts. Jesus can change your family. The word of God can be the solution to what's wrong at home. There is a solution. There is a way to change and to fortify us for the future, to safeguard the investment of these men who have given their lives to bring us this far. How sad would it be for our generation, our time to be the time where we drop the ball and see a decline instead of growth. You see, God has structure to the home. Take your Bible and turn to Ephesians 6 for just a moment. I want to point out some verses to you here about God's structure to the home. Go to Ephesians 6. Go to verse number 1. It says, children, all the children, if you have a mom and a dad here today, raise your hand. Well, we got to have some investigation in here. All of us who have a mom and dad are children. Granddaddy, how old are you today? 52, okay. So no matter how old you are, Ralph and Jackie will always be your mom and dad and you will always be their child. Every one of us here today that has a mom and a dad, we, we are children to them. We are their children. As children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou may live a long on the earth. The child in the home, according to God's word, is to be willingly under the authority of the parents that are in the home. Well, I thought some parents would say amen right there. The structure, praise the Lord, the structure of the home is that children are to be willingly underneath the authority of their parents. Parents, say amen. amen. Your children are to listen to you. They are to obey you. They are to do exactly what you say. As my dad put it, when I say jump, you say how high. You are to obey your mom and your dad. And you say, well, I don't want to. Well, according to the Bible, you may not live long. So take it in. Obey your mom and your dad. Follow them. Even if they're making a mistake, they'll answer for it, not you. Obey your mom and your dad. It's a wonderful structure there, and I think we can all identify with that and say praise the Lord. But it gets better. Go to the next verse, verse number four. It's called out the children and ye fathers. Now the word that's being used there is not just speaking to the male role of the home. It's very important you understand that's talking about the structure of parental guidance. That's the mom and the dad. And ye fathers, parents, moms and dads, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. 
an assignment to each leader of the home as it pertains to those who call you mom and dad. The child is to be submissive and then the parents, as according to God's word, have been sovereignly assigned agents of the Lord placed over those children and it's as if the Lord himself is giving the orders, giving the commandments to those children. The children should look at the parents and what they desire and what they say as if Jesus himself was giving the order or the charge in the home because God is a God of order. God is a God of structure. God is a God of pattern and God requires order in the home. But those parents, these sovereignly assigned agents of the Lord, if it means obeying the parents, then who do the parents obey? They obey the Lord. I saw a show flipping through the channels not too long ago called Undercover Boss. Undercover Boss. In that particular episode, I'd never really seen it before, but that particular episode, the owner, the CEO of Checkers Fast Food. Who remembers Checkers out here on Patton Avenue? Checkers Fast Food. I didn't even know they still existed. He was an undercover boss in one of his stores. He walked in that day and he pretended to be a new trainee. There was a general manager there and there was the team and the crew. It was a busy Friday night. They were cooking hamburgers and slinging them out the window. And he watched the general manager and how he treated the young kids that were working for that general manager in that checkers. That general manager is to be the representation of the company to the employees and to the customers. That general manager, every word that he says comes with the weight of even the CEO and the head of that company. He's got a different color shirt on. He's got a different color badge. He's in charge of the whole show. Everything that happens at the end of the day is his fault. If that drive-thru gets backed up and it's a 15-minute wait to get my cheeseburger when I've got a 30-minute break from work, it's not the little girl who's flipping the burger's fault. It's the general manager's fault. He's in charge of the store. And this new trainee who just happened to be the CEO of a multi-million dollar company watched his general manager operate the representation of the company to the ones working under him. And he failed miserably. There was no love. There was no compassion. There was no leadership. There was no leading by example. And what this general manager was doing was provoking these precious teenagers to wrath. And instead of going outside and taking a few minutes break, most of those young people would go outside and, and weep one girl uncontrollably because of the oppression in that restaurant because of that general manager's conduct. And this CEO, the man who was at the very top of the food chain, was so burdened by what he saw, so disgusted by the conduct of that general manager that he shut down the store. He said, I want you to serve that last car and then shut it down. You're not gonna represent this company anymore and we're gonna change things. And I wonder if Jesus Christ was to come as an undercover boss into the homes of every family at Trinity Baptist Church 
And no matter how many children you have at home, no matter how old you are, no matter how long you've been married, the husband, the leader of that home, if you're a single mother and you've been abandoned, then unfortunately, sadly, that responsibility now falls upon you as the representative, as the liaison from Christ himself to those that are in your home. How would he score our operation? How would he look at your divulging of training? How would he look at your schedule and the way that you keep your employees operating, filling them with truth and encouragement that they know the employee handbook and how to do their job to bring God glory and honor? You back up a chapter and there's even more in Ephesians chapter 5. We read it last week. I'll read it for you. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. But read the next verse. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water. But how? By the word. By the word. Holiness in the home. Spiritual conditioning in the home. All rests upon the shoulders of the man in charge of the house. Every conduct, every issue, every problem at the end of the day rests upon the shoulders of the man who's in charge. And God's structure, God's order is that the husband is to lead the home, to be the representative of God in the home, to be the high priest of the home, and to lead the home. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord and lead our home. And I think the greatest example we can see this morning as we close is not to look to some sort of book or example or even to another church who's embodied some change and done some things differently. But rather, I think we should close this morning looking to Christ himself and how he conducted his life on this earth. Let's look to Christ this morning. Look at how Jesus conducted much of his ministry that we have access to. He would spend the morning preaching to the multitudes. He would spend the morning feeding the thousands, preparing lunch for thousands of people, assembling all those that would come to hear. But then it came time, if you'll notice a pattern here with Jesus, read the New Testament, you'll see it. There came a time when Jesus brought his disciples together and they had privacy. There was a more intimate investment that Jesus made into the 12 that he had following him every single day. This was his earthly family. They would have dinner together. They would have conversation together. There would be laughter. There would be joy. And there would be intentional investment in the individual. This was our Jesus. And this morning, even as my heart was praying and seeking, I noticed something as I think to some of the beautiful places we've been to in the Holy Land. Some of the most intimate moments that Jesus shared with his disciples on this earth was not in the presence of the multitude. Some of the most precious moments that we have access to in the New Testament were not when the 5,000 were fed. Yes, it was a miracle. Yes, it was wonderful. Yes, they awed at the power and the glory of God. But the most intimate moments 
The most climaxed moments of power and glory came in some of the most intimate times where Jesus was alone or with just a few. I go to the Garden of Gethsemane and there is Jesus is praying for you and for me, the weight of sin coming. There were no multitudes. There wasn't a thousand people watching Jesus pray as he took on that weight in his crushing in Gethsemane. I think of the Mount of Transfiguration. Listen to me now. Let this bless your heart. I think now of the Mount of Transfiguration and, and Jesus is getting ready to have one of the most glorious moments in all of Scripture. The physical body of our Lord and Savior is going to change and his holy vestiture is going to appear. And he only takes James and Peter and John for this holy mountain revival. There was so much glory and so much power there on top of that mountain that Peter said, I don't want to leave. Let's build a tent. Let's build a tabernacle and stay right here. The multitudes never saw it. And only three of the disciples were there to witness it. And then I go to the upper room. The night before he dies, just a few gathered. And Jesus in his moments there around the table was preparing his disciples for the greatest storm, the greatest battle they would ever face. His death upon the cross. He prepared them at the table and he washed their feet and he invested in them. Christ is the example of intentional investment in the few that follow you. Christ is the example. And God is my witness. I believe with every fiber of my being, with every drop of blood in my veins, as sure as you're sitting there looking at me this morning and I'm looking down at you, that this is the key to securing the future of Trinity Baptist Church. Intentional investment on a personal level. Discipleship of new converts. A rededication of being dedicated to Sunday school. We have some of the best Bible teachers in America that study and prepare all week long to pour out for more interaction with God's word. And we have the space, the capability to get creative, to add more classes if we need to for now. That day's coming where even that will be an issue and we'll praise the Lord for that problem. But a rededication to what God is requiring of his people. Developing a family culture around prayer in the home. That it's not just what you do when you're here in blue chairs. But that it's part of who you are even at home. That dads lead the family in prayer. When was the last time your children heard you pray out loud for your wife? When was the last time before you went to bed, you gathered the whole family in the living room and read a psalm and said, children, I love you. Jesus loves you. Here's his word. Take this with you as you go to bed. And let's go to bed. Let's go to sleep tonight knowing that Jesus is in charge. Are those conversations happening in your home? The evidence of what's coming in the church says no. The evidence of the falling away, the evidence of some of the major generational issues that COVID did expose 
We can't just ignore. And we must create that culture in our church. An upper room experience for every family at home. We're taking back the house. Our founding pastor, Dr. Ralph Sexton Sr., as the church was coming together, they decided on a church covenant. Words that would kind of define everything that we were promising God, what we would expect of ourselves. And as we go forward, that it would be kind of the defining anchor of everything we do as a church. And it's long, and I'm not going to take time to read it all, but I want to read the first sentence of the third paragraph. It says, we also engage to maintain family and private devotions to religiously educate our children to seek the salvation of our kindred, acquaintances, and all others, to walk circumspectly in the world, to be just in our dealings, faithful to our engagements, and exemplary in our deportment. That happens by teaching it at home. And the folks that came together to start Trinity Baptist Church knew what it was going to take for this church to be more than a cute little experiment and be a church that sold out for the leadership of God built on the foundation of his word. We're taking back the house. It's difficult. It's so new. Some of you have never done this before, and that's okay. You've never been able to break the ice or embrace the fact that it is awkward for you to stand in front of your family or for you to sit at a coffee table or for you to just sit on a couch and say, family... We're going to pray. Family, we're going to read scripture. Oh, that feels so weird. It feels so awkward. We're we're to do that at church, dad. No, we're to do it at home in the house. It's the only way we fortify our families for what's coming. If you expect what we do now currently, Sunday morning, Sunday night, all of the other opportunities to serve and to be a part of something, if that's the only thing you're depending on, your family's wide open to an assault, to an attack to a fracture. And with all the love in my heart, as I grow and as I learn to lead my family, that's building on sand, asking for a great fall. And we must change. In months of prayer and meeting with our deacons and leadership team, our pastors, seeking wise counsel, taking things before the Lord and just asking God to give us some confirmation, we've spent months preparing for a schedule change here at Trinity Baptist Church. And you're going to notice that we're taking a step towards more. This is the church reaching into the structure of the family more than we ever have before. And really, we're going to be asking more of you than we ever have before. But we're doing it because we believe in what the Lord's put in our hearts And we believe what the Lord is going to do will be great and mighty if we'll be faithful, tender, and humble. I'm going to ask the media team now to put up the Sunday morning schedule for Trinity Baptist Church. This will be our Sunday morning schedule. This will begin October the 30th. We'll have our early worship service at 8 o'clock. Our Sunday school and Bible study classes as they are now will meet at 9.30. Now, what you'll see here is a new opportunity for children to connect to our church. 
When moms and dads pull up on campus, let's say they come at 10, 15, uh, they'll go to the student center with their children that meet the age requirement, and they'll be able to take them to Trinity Kids Church, TKC. I love the fact that it's called TKC. That's what I'm going to remember it as. So launch will be opening up a brand new children's church. There will be teaching. There will be singing. It will be exciting. And it will be in the upper level of the student center where kids can come and enjoy a wonderful time. There'll be some leaders there uh, that make that just be a seamless, wonderful thing. And it takes a little pressure off of young families who come with children. And maybe mom and dad have not had a single opportunity in the week to be alone with God's word. Well, now we're creating that. So if families come with small children, these kids are not prepared to sit and be still for the preaching service. They have a place where they can go grow and learn and Brother John and Miss Ashley have done a fantastic job, a wonderful job leading our children's ministry. Brother John will be taking that on. You pray for him. His wagon just got a whole lot heavier. And so let's pray for Brother John. On September the 18th, and I'm forgetting the time, somebody call it out. At 1230 on September the 18th, if you're part of the children's ministry uh, there'll be a very important meeting that you'll need to attend. They'll give you the layout of that new ministry. And then obviously our 10.30 a.m. worship service. Now, what we're doing with the Sunday night spot, we're asking you to do what we're going to do today. We're asking you to look at Sunday night and protect it at all costs. Protect it with every fiber of your soul and being. And this is where we are going to reach into the homes and ask you to fortify that position of Sunday afternoon. From the time we leave here assembling together, worshiping the Lord, to the time we get to the house is protected. That's not where we go find a ball game to go to. That's not where even we go find a, a gospel singing to go to. No, 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 no. We're going to our homes. We're going to go find a place to be together. Moms and dads, this would be a great place for you to look at your teenagers and say, how was your week? How did it go? What did you learn this week? What are you struggling with? Some intentional investment on Sunday afternoons for the family. Let's, and this is where it gets crazy. But we're going to add some more to your wagon, church family. Let's go to Monday. You say, Monday? Yes, we now have a Monday and Tuesday schedule for our church. We're asking, we're pleading, we're begging of you that on Monday nights before the family goes to bed, no matter how late it is, no matter what it takes, even if we've got some sleepy heads and it's hard and, and supper burnt and you had to go out to Pizza Hut to fix the burnt food, whatever the case may be, even if it's 35 seconds that before the family goes to bed that there is a corporate acknowledgement of God, that there is a prayer in the home, and that there is maybe even one verse read that we pray that over our children, over our families, and over our homes as we go to bed. So Trinity just doesn't have a Sunday and Monday schedule. We have a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday schedule. We're getting ready to turn the gas on high and do as much for the Lord that matters that we possibly can. So Mondays, we're asking that to be a special intimate time that night. Now Tuesdays, choir, band, and media. Who loves being able to practice before you sing? Pastor Dwight does. He's not even in the choir. Praise the Lord. I know that Brother Arthur does. It's vital that you have that opportunity to hear new music, to practice together, that the band can come, 
that we increase our time together preparing for our worship hour. And you'll notice a little bit of a trend here. It's quality versus quantity. Quality versus quantity. Golden Corral may be good, but the one steak I can put on my grill at home will be it all day long. We want that quality time together. So choir, band, and media, we want you to be here Tuesday nights at 6.30. Miss Debbie Browning, I had a meeting with her Wednesday, and we're able to, uh, to move some things around. So ladies' Bible study, we'll talk about that in just a moment. But here you are, our Tuesday schedule. And then again, Tuesday night, same thing, family, study, devotion, and a prayer led by whoever the leader at home is. Let's go to the next on Wednesday. This is where it's going to get crazy. Get out your pen and paper. All right. Wednesday mornings at Trinity Baptist Church will be a permanent 24 7, 365. We will always have that Wednesday morning worship service every single Wednesday until Jesus comes back. Praise the Lord. If you have a hard time driving when it's dark or dusk, or if you have a hard time just doing life and functioning after 4.30 p.m., I am not against you. I am for you. And you're a blessing to this church. You're a benefit to this church. And if you've got beautiful white hair, I love you with all of my heart. And I thank God for you. You are a treasure to this church. And we're going to serve you to the best of our ability. And so every Wednesday, there will be that 10 a.m. worship service. And then afterwards, our Heritage Keeper Ministry is going to have fun. You're going to have game time, raffles. Uh, Pastor Ralph may come in and start shooting people with paintball guns one day. I don't know what y'all are going to do. Nerf wars in the Family Life Center. Y'all are going to have fun. It's going to be great. If you're off on Wednesdays, you want to be a part, that's open for the entire church family, that worship service. And then lunch for Heritage Keepers in the Fellowship Hall, the Family Life Center uh, for time together. Then at 5 o'clock, and this begins on November the 2nd, at 5 o'clock, we're bringing back the family meal here at Trinity for Wednesday nights. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You'll be able to come in. There'll be a delicious meal prepared. We're going to release that menu for what that dinner will be a quarter at a time. So you will have three months of Wednesday night meals ready to go, pending prices of things changing or the availability of something not being there. But we'll give you that information. That way you don't have to call the church office. You can go to the website and look at the menu and you'll know. One thing that we're going to invest in is a salad bar. A salad bar. Like going to Ruby Tuesdays or to the fireplace in Woodfin. We're going to have a salad bar. It's going to be grade A. And I personally like my side salad to be somewhere between 17 and 18,000 calories. You know, a salad. I'm kidding. But if there's something that you don't care for on the menu that night or you're trying to, to be good and watch what you eat, there'll be a salad, maybe even a baked potato available every single family mealtime. And that salad bar will be available for our Heritage Keepers lunch as well that morning. All right. Now, here's the, the bit of change and difference. Thrive. You're going back to the old school schedule. This was what I did when I was a teenager, when Mark Linderman was my youth pastor. We used to pack that place out on Wednesday afternoons. It's a great tool for you to invite friends from school to say, hey, let's hang out this afternoon. Come with me to church at 630. We'll go eat at 5, 
and then we'll go to, to Thrive together. And then launch, you'll also have something for your children at 6.30. And then midweek worship, assembling ourselves together here in the main sanctuary for Bible study. Let's go to our next Thursdays. Now, ladies Bible study, you'll continue your six o'clock start time on Thursdays. You will be in the conference room as you are now. Grief share at 545. Celebrate recovery at 630. And then here's something that's new and a bit of a change to what we're going to do. Our men's Bible study and prayer time. A lot of guys are able to come to that nine o'clock hour. Some are not. And so what we're going to do is start a 6.30 intensive men's Bible study. We're probably going to take these tables that we have here in the sanctuary, put them together. We'll add a third if we need to. And we're going to study God's word sitting at a table with a cup of coffee. And then after that, for those that like to come later, we'll have a time of prayer. So that's something new that will start that week of November the 3rd. And then we're asking again, if you're not able to come to those events, be a part, do something with your family. There it is again that night at home. And then Fridays, uh, I think, is the final night that we'll reach into your personal schedule. We're asking yet again, start the weekend right, pray, read, do something in the home with intention. And this schedule, I put this on the end of this so you could feel my heart and what God's put in our, our uh, front mirror here as we go looking. A schedule that places emphasis on the spiritual strength of each home. Cultivating growth in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, serving the Lord in active ministries that reach all ages and all walks of life. What is before you is Trinity's investment to take back the home. Amen. To take back the home. And there's a lot here, there's a lot to process, there's a lot to go through, there's a lot of opinions, there's a lot of tradition, there are a lot of things that calls question, that's a wonderful thing to have. And it's an okay thing to have. But as we go forward, we're following the Lord, asking him to keep us tender, asking him to keep our emotions and our hearts guarded. Let me just be honest with you. There's a real opportunity here for the enemy to work within the body of Christ. Embrace that and know that. The accusations that will come to your ear and to your heart about pastors and leaders, be guarded in that. If you have a real concern, a question, and you want to ask it, praise the Lord, we can answer them until we run out of voice. But know that none of this was done with a knee-jerk reaction. None of it was done quickly. This has been months and months. And then the last thing we want to say today before we pray and ask the Lord as we dedicate this new schedule to Him, this will mean a season of equipping. This will mean a season of equipping. If you're a father, if you're a husband, and you've never done this at home before, we are going to equip you. That's our job. That's the church's benefit is to equip people to do what we're calling them to do. And we're going to do that. We'll take some Wednesday nights to do so. We may even have some special classes. Pastor Ralph has already approached me about taking some dads that have been dads maybe even uh, for a long time that want to turn the tide on some things. Uh, really kind of a special forces element for us here to be able to help some families lead God and direct those new decisions and things that have to be done. No doubt, uh, no matter what we do with the schedule, there's someone... No matter, no matter what we do, there's someone that will feel left out of something. There'll be someone that feels uh, isolated, that there's nothing for them. That's just the old devil 
whispering in your ear. If you're here today, something we've met as a staff about is our widows, our widows. We have over 109 widows that Trinity Baptist Church is responsible for. And one thing we've talked about is creating opportunities for our widows to meet together on Sunday afternoon. Some of our widows are not that old. They're in a a younger season of life and they have the ability, the capability to host four or five other widows in their home for coffee, for cake, for Bible study. Could it not be one of the best benefits for the church that if we have pockets of five and 10 widows at a time that take the church family before the Lord and pray every Sunday afternoon for an hour, do you realize the spiritual benefit for our church. Let's not look at this as an opportunity to nitpick each thing. Let's look at this as an opportunity to say, Lord, use me. Here I am. I want to follow you and I want to take back my house for your glory. Let's pray. Now, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we have prayed and fasted for months. Lord, we have wept for hours. God, we've come to many, many places where you have had to persuade us and change us. Now, God, we take this new schedule. We take this new burden, this recommitment, this desire to take over the spiritual ownership of our homes. And Lord, we lay it at your feet. God, no doubt we are in a war, we are in a battle for the future of our church. Lord, there is a coordinated attack against the Christian family. And God, we are so desperate for you to fortify our families, for you to strengthen the home. And God, that the word of God, the Holy Spirit of God would have its place of authority, have its place of supremacy in our lives each and every day. And God, we lay this at your feet. And Lord, we ask you to bless it. Lord, we ask you to take it and do what only you can do. God, that you would safeguard this body of Christ. And Lord, that you would take us to a place and to a level that we've never known before. God, we're stepping out in faith and we're trusting you. We're asking you to do what only you can do. Now, Father, I pray for every father, every husband, every single mother, every leader in the home, for every widow and widower, for every young person and baby and child, for our gray-headed saints that love the body of Christ and love the Lord. God, would you go to them now and encourage them, fortify them and strengthen them. And God, bring us together, the body and spirit of unity. God, that we'll go forward trusting you being the church you've called us to be. Lord, we love you today. We thank you for grace. We thank you for mercy. And we thank you for the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God. It's in Jesus' name that Trinity Baptist Church prays. Amen and amen.